When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Colombia Mala PLLC is 100% native owned and operated founded by Vern Colombia. Their practice areas include corporate law, business transactions, finance, economic development, gaming, casino development, online gaming, real estate, environmental permitting and approvals, telecommunications, government affairs, employment and labor relations, historic preservation and cultural resources and energy. Colombia Mala is committed to making positive and lasting change in our communities as they support nonprofit volunteering community activism and employing indian preference in hiring and vendor relations you are now listening to the Carl and J-Man Save the World podcast. I am your host, the five-star, five-diamond chef, J-Man. And with me is my the mutton boy to my mutton man, Carl. <laughs> mutton boy. Man, I haven't had a mutton sandwich in such a long time. You, you know, know what? I went to the flea market last Friday. Yeah. And it, it made me laugh because then I remembered the joke that you mentioned about the city natives, about taking pictures because they get their mutton fixed. <laughs> <laughs> but resonators don't talk about getting their mutton fixed because yeah. we're there every damn day. Yeah. So did you do that? Did you take pictures? You know what? I was going to, but then I forgot. Oh, it's like, man, I love so that mutton. I missed out on some good TikTok content there. <laughs> man, I, I, when I was in, uh, when I, when we used to live in Tuba, you know, we, we used to go down to the swamp meet and so I used to go to sell at the swamp meet every mm-hmm. Friday. And man, I used to go around and get those, uh, the, the cheap toys. Remember the Mexican guys <laughs> yeah. that will come over and then they'll just sell those cheap toys and the, the cheap, uh, hardwood to- uh, tools. You, you would have that. It was like a Rambo set. Or yes. Something, and yes. Like a grenade. Yes. The one. Dagger, yes. It's all packaged. And a little tiny machine gun. <laughs> And uh, I remember getting that because it was like so cheap. It was like $5 and you get like a whole, uh, you know, arsenal of stuff. You know, you get ninja, ninja stars. And and then there was a native one too with the tomahawk. With the tomahawk. arrows had the suction cups (laughs) on the end of it. And then it came with a knife. But then that knife had like a cheetah print knife holder oh, yeah. that came with it but nobody played with that you just threw that away and you just, just so, walk around with your knife exactly and you know i used to remember i used to um i used to just uh, chase around like village dogs with those things like that with the plastic <laughs> with the suction with cup the, arrows <laughs> with the suction cup arrows and the plastic uh knife <laughs> well you know there's a reason why i let off with mutton man today and the fact that you know the topic today is that we're talking about navajos again yeah, we're, we're talking about Navajos again. But the reason why we're talking about Navajos again is to set up and try to promote for what's upcoming that we did mention in our last episode that we've been invited to uh, do a live podcast at the Western Navajo Fair. And so we're going to do that. Uh, I believe it's next Friday, right? Yeah, next uh, Friday. Yeah, the 7th, I believe. 7th? Yeah, next yeah. Friday, October 7th October- at 4 o'clock. 
But that's um, Navajo time. No, no, no. Three, three thirty. Three thirty. Yeah, three thirty. Because I checked the schedule. Three thirty Navajo. Three thirty Navajo no, our time. time. No, three thirty Navajo time. So two thirty. So two thirty. Holy our shit! Time. It's gonna be freaking hot out there. Yeah, it is. And it's funny because in the last episode of when we mentioned this, you said that we were opening up for Nelly or for uh, yeah, who was it? The other artist, Ti, and my uh, my high school crush, Maya, Maya. But the reality is that we're actually opening up for the drag show. <laughs> So if you see both of us in drag, you know, the we have the next showing at, at four o'clock. If you see both of us in drag, then you'll know that we're desperate for people for more up. for more likes. But that's kind of the whole reason why we're we're talking about this. And then, you know, we're we're back with this season nine. Last week's episode is doing really well. Yeah, it is. That we ripped off Taco Bell's marketing tactics. And so, you know, we went away for a really, really long time and, and withheld everybody from Carl and J-Man content. And now we're back. And so everybody's storming like a Mexican pizza yeah, back e- on for exactly. sale. Exactly. I mean, like, you know, we... We held off. Uh, we held off of the goods and stuff like that, and uh, you know everybody was getting all hungry for for more content. And we said that no, you guys can't have it just yet. No, we're taking Mexican pizzas off the menu. <laughs> we're like, no, you can't have it yet. And then we're like, oh, I'm just kidding. We're, we're just kidding. We're bringing it back. <laughs> but I did want to mention before we get into the uh, topic, to the main part of the topic, is that we are going to continue to do a giveaway for our Instagram once we hit 1,000 followers. Yes. Yes, we are. And I believe that our intern, AJ, said that we we're like 30 followers away. So if you're not following us on our Instagrams, you can find us at Carl and J-Man. Spread the word to all your friends to follow us at Carl and J-Man on Instagram. And that way we can get this next giveaway up and going. Yes. Yes. And it's going to be a good one. And this time uh, I will be involved with it. So uh, like, you know, last time uh, I didn't know what was going on half the time when we were doing that. <laughs> and so... <laughs> And so I like I didn't even know because it was it was sponsored by us and we're like okay yeah because they were because they were asking me they're like you know what's gonna be the prizes and I'm like prizes for what for what they're like your giveaway and I'm like we're having a giveaway and I'm like when did this happen somebody messaged me and said oh cool I won and I was like my exact response too was like won what like your giveaway. <laughs> Like, oh, shit. Oh, that's right. Cool. Congratulations. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, because during the dance time, too, they were like, man, I just entered, you know. And so, so when is that giveaway? And I'm like, what giveaway? They were like, yeah, your giveaway. And I'm like, uh, uh, just follow the prompts on Instagram. You'll you'll know. Yeah, like follow the prompts on Facebook. <laughs> so I didn't Com- even. Completely wrong thing. Yeah, this time we'll actually but, be involved. But this time with we'll it. be engaged with that. But you know, I, I kind of wanted to touch upon some things from our last episode because it was interesting because there was a dance over the weekend in Bakavi. Yeah. Yeah. And then my son came home because he was out there at Bakavi with his mother and his sister. And then, you know, he was watching all the dances. I heard there was like six kipok groups or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. So I heard it about was that. like a real big samit over there over the weekend. And then he got home. And then he was asking me all kinds of questions. He was like, Dad, how come? He was in specifically asking about the Apache group. He uh-huh. said, Dad, how come the Apaches, how come they have a flag with them? Yeah, yeah. And because, you know, I, I, I think I believe that I saw that they were holding an American flag. Yeah, with a... And I, I was thinking about it. I was like, you know what? I I don't know why they have a flag because for the most part, I know that most Apache tribes 
went to war against the federal government. Yeah. And and so because then I during my time at Sippy, I met a lot of different natives. Yeah. And in fact, I met some Apaches while I was going to school there out in Albuquerque at Sippy. Yeah. And I remember that some of these Apaches that I had met that even to this day, some of them refuse to enlist into the military. Yeah, acknowledge because the US, they yeah. still have, I guess, a grudge, or there's still a lot of hurt feelings yeah. about what their history is with the federal government. So I started thinking about it. I was like, why are those Apaches walking around with the American flag when they're dancing in the Kisumi? <laughs> that is true. I mean, like the. Uh uh, you know, one thing one thing that kind of sparked my like my interest too was that a lot of Native Americans, yes, although the U.S. government um, killed most of all of our people, but yet we tend to honor we tend to honor like the you know the the, the United States uh, flag, and that's exactly where my mind went because after he asked me that question, then he started asking me more questions, and he said, "Dad, what does going to war or making war with mean?" And I basically said that, well, it means that both sides are trying to kill each other. Yeah. And then he asked, well, why are the Apaches, why were they trying to kill the the, the Pahanas? Yeah. Yeah. And I told him it's because they were trying to kill them. Yeah. And he said, oh, the white people didn't like the Apaches. And it was like, well, the white people didn't like all Indians. Like. Yeah. And then in just having this conversation with my seven-year-old son, it just shot back to all of our voting episodes. And it's like, <laughs> if the federal government didn't like any natives, then why in the fuck do we continue to support, to try to assimilate yeah. and try to, I guess, integrate and be a part of a lot of what their practices are? And so that was kind of the conversation. That I had with my seven-year-old last night, you know, because uh, you, you know, because the the way that the way that we phrase different things and stuff like that, and the way that we, I kind of portray like Native Americans, because yes, we do have veterans here on the Hopi Reservation, but we don't acknowledge them as a you know as a parade or as as like you know person of going to war or anything like that. And it's just because they did it because they were forced to do it. You know, some of them were forced to enlist, enlist because the U.S. government said that, hey, these guys are disposable. Let's go ahead and enlist these guys mm-hmm. first mm-hmm. to dwindle down the other numbers. It's like that South Park movie where they're like uh, tying all of the black soldiers in front of the tanks <laughs> and the airplanes yes. because then they're going to be the cushion in between the missiles and bullets for all yes. the white soldiers. Yes, exactly. And that's the reason why, like, you know, I just don't acknowledge uh, military or anything like that, even though, you know, we do have veterans here on the Hopi Reservation. Mm-hmm. I just don't acknowledge. I just mm-hmm. don't see the why we should, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, acknowledge the U.S. government for actually doing this to us, actually making us pawns for their own game mm-hmm. so that's that's the one thing I'm pretty sure there's another argument in that, and I'm pretty sure we should have an episode about that as mm-hmm. well too oh so. for sure but you know like going back to the Navajos yes we did have war with our own people you know like well not our own people our own colored skin people our like, own indigenous our own indigenous and brothers and sisters you know and it's I guess in a way when you really look at it, it, it has to deal with like the land issues. It has to deal with like the, 
sort of like uh, like cultural issues, land issues, land disputes, and whatnot. And and yes, like you know, Navajos did did embark on our territory, like the Hopi territory, made war with that, made war with the Hopis. You know, made war with because of maybe like hunger, maybe because of like shelter. And stuff like that. And mm-hmm. so, like, you know, because Hopi did have an established village, mm-hmm. it was because, you know, Navajos wanted to have some sort of uh, structure, I guess. You know, because Navajos are, are a very complex group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you just reminded me of something in bringing the topic back to Navajos because then my son had more questions. <laughs> About the and, Navajos? Uh, and he was asking... Uh, he was asking that, that then did the white people conquer us? And I said no. Which I got to say proudly, no, yeah. the white people never conquered Hopis. Yeah. And he didn't then he asked that they conquer did they conquer the Navajos? And I said, Yes, son, they did. <laughs> that's why they have a treaty with the Navajos. Yes. And so that's kind of how that conversation went with my son last night. But I guess in particular when you're talking about Navajos, one of the things that I really wanted to speak to is the Western Navajo Fair in particular, because that's what this is supposed to set up for us being there. And so f- for those people out there that don't know anything about the Navajo Fairs, What's so special and grand about the Navajo fairs? Well, you have like the, uh, what was it? The Yebiche dance. You know, you have the, you have, uh, because a lot of the Navajos don't have like rides or like uh, transportation to go down to Phoenix to watch these, uh, great concerts or like, you know, where, where like TI's playing or like, <laughs> and they, you know, these, these fairs are basically just, uh, sort of like the, um, you know, like the poor man's way of like the <laughs> the, the poor man's state fair. state fair, like you know, the, the poor man's Disneyland, <laughs> the poor man's Disneyland. You know, you go to and you with, ride the ride with the native twist because then you get to look at all the jewelry <laughs> that people sell. You get to look it's, at all of the other artwork. Not, that you know, people it's it's sell. it's not a it's not a Navajo fair. You get and, to get sick from eating all the pinions <laughs> and. Drink gallons and gallons of Twister's lemonade. Exactly. And it's not a fair unless you're walking on dirt to the next ride. And your you know? blood starts to cauterize from all of that wheel, from all the fry bread that <laughs> from you all eat the, over the weekend. From all the, uh, the, the meats and stuff like that, all the muttons. Well, because, you know, I figured that this would be a topic that you might like because then, you know, you're somebody that loves to talk about back from your childhood and you used to living in Tuba City. Do you remember that when the fair time would roll around as a kid, that the excitement that you would have because then outside of just the carnival rides that there were tons of other things that were involved with it. There was this huge parade. Yes. That would happen. Yes. throughout in Tuba City and then I guess just to make it clear that these fairs are all over the reservation like oh, yeah. Tuba Window Rock Chin Lee I think that there's even one in like New Mexico Ship Rock I think so too and uh, other places and so you know maybe that's something that our guests can tell us where else that these fairs happen in which we've got to mention that we have a special guest but basically you know it's this it's I guess I've always thought of it in this way that the the Navajo fairs were like the Navajo version of a Hopi tikive. Yeah. Because when us Hopis have our, our tikives, our dances, whether that be in the winter or summertime, that it's it's a big social gathering. Yeah. Yeah. And so these Navajo fairs are similar in that that they're these huge social gatherings because in addition to a carnival, in addition to a parade, that there are these beauty pageants. They have the Miss Navajo uh, Nation contestant pageant or whatever it's <laughs> yeah. called 
And then they have one for the babies. They have one for the teen. They have rodeos. Age group. They, have, they have rodeos. Yeah. And you mentioned there's a cultural component. The mutton eating the contest. <laughs> <laughs> mutton eating contest. See how much mutton you can stuff in your mouth. And I, I guess the tuba one in particular, I, I'd like to think as an outsider to, to the Navajo stuff, yeah. that the tuba one is the biggest one. Yeah, it actually it, it's, is. It's the main event. It's the main event it's, it's of actually all the, it's, of the Navajo it's actually, fairs. It's actually the last main event. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I think that what makes it bigger is the fact that you have a Hopi event. Alongside with it, yeah. That coincides with it, and that's the Thuvi Gathering. Yeah. Uh, You know, the Thuvi Gathering started up, um, how how long ago? Like almost 20 years ago? I have absolutely no idea. Almost around 20 years ago? Yeah, something like that. And it was just to coincide with the Tuba City Fair, you know, and it was just to, because, you know, why why have, like, you know, why have... um, uh, Navajos have their their fair, their y- Yebiche dance. You know, we want to have our Yebiche dance as well too. You know, and so, <laughs> <laughs> and then so like you know, I guess that's the Duvi fair that got established there. And it was really, you know, I was there in the beginning as really? well as well too were when they really? fir- very first started. You know, because we're um, we started up there when the when there was no hotel. You know, there, the hotel was being built still. Okay, and I, I believe that they wanted to start it then. Because uh, I think it was usually in the like in in the uh, village, uh-huh. yeah. Because they usually had it in the village, I believe. So, well, what I heard, what I heard was that when the Duvi gathering started, it started at somebody's home. Yeah, and I believe that the home was in one of those hut housings. Yeah, yeah, in yeah, the yeah. upper village. Yeah, and yeah, I think that's where it started, yeah. and it became an annual thing. And they probably just started with then, a few dance groups. Yeah, and then it grew into this huge and, thing. And it, and because yeah, yeah, I remember because um, we used to Sol used to go sell her beaky up there, okay. and we used to have fresh corn and uh, string beans, and we used to sell, and nobody said anything. You know, we didn't have to have a permit, we didn't oh, have really? to have any. We just parked you, our you, truck. You didn't have to pay that eight hundred. Yeah, we didn't have to pay that eight hundred food, food sale. There. No, nobody food sellers fee, and and that you have to pay. These and it was days. the very first time because I remember because I was directing traffic out from the out from that little road that uh-huh. went into the main road. And um, I well, remember what, what, that. What, what happens at a Thuvi gathering? Well, for those that have never been. Okay. To the well, Thuvi so gathering. you know, Thuvi gathering is another place for women to shake their booties and and uh, get money for it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and so, so they have this big area for for, for dances, dances and all stuff like kinds that. of dance groups, and lots of dance groups. What, what, In addition to this, there's also a lot of people that sell. Sells, what do yeah. they sell? They sell they jewelry. Sell? They sell rattles. They sell hip hop items, you know, hip hop <laughs> albums. I, I, I remember one year that they had those uh, Navajo models walking around. Oh the, the yeah, wi- the women, calendar, women of the Navajo, the calendar ones. I bought, calendar. I bought like twelve of them. <laughs> <laughs> I bought like twelve of them. I had them all sign it and stuff like that. And yeah, you know, and uh, what was her name? Remember that singer, that singer girl? Um, wow, what was her name? She's pretty big too. She's a famous. She's singer? a famous Navajo singer. You know, Maya. Uh, <laughs> Maya. <laughs> no, she. What was her name? Um, oh my god, I, I, it's on the tip of my tongue, but Tur- I can't. Turquoise Rose. No, 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 no. She was there. She was selling her CDs as well oh, too. Really? Yeah, oh, really? one year, and uh, you know, I, you know, I got excited. I bought twelve albums as well too. So. <laughs> Everybody got those everybody, albums. Everybody for got Christmas everybody got Christmas, uh, you know, signed copies of uh, the, a known artist. The little kids got Women of the Navajo Nation calendars <laughs> in their stockings for Christmas that year. Exactly. So, 
You know, I you know it's it's so fun at the at the Thuvi gathering. It's so much yeah. fun, and, and you, you see a lot of people, and you see and a it's lot not of people local to just Tuba and no. Hopi. No, like everybody from everywhere. Comes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Navajos like from all, all corners over. of the reservation come. I'm, Hopis, even from the city, they Zunis, all come out. You have Zunis, Pueblos, you have Aquamas, a lot of Pueblo yeah, people Lagunas, that come out to sell, to sell their jewelry, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. you know, to watch the dances out there. And I remember one year there were over like uh, almost twenty groups. Oh wow, twenty groups, were, twenty dance groups, twenty dance groups. And you're gonna have a dance, and group and I'm this gonna year. have a dance group this year. So you're, you're um, dancing with the Yebiche. I'm dancing with I'm the lead Yebiche. <laughs> <laughs> The uh, talking god. <laughs> well, you know, I think now's a good time to uh, bring in, bring on our special guest. Yeah, Hopefully let, he's still around. Yeah, let's let's go ahead and see if he's uh, he's around here. Since we tortured him for hearing us, BS. Hirsch, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you guys. Uh, I feel like I just want to leave now after all that shit you guys are talking. You <laughs> part out and so we'd like to welcome back to the podcast for the third time, I believe, our our good buddy Herschel Clark. And so, Hirsch, you've been with us, been with us on here before. And so, if you want to give a quick introduction, yeah. Good afternoon, everybody. Uh, my name is Herschel Clark. Like what Suta mentioned, um, I am the third time here on the pod, so it's good to hear um, everybody. It's good to hear Carl, especially Carl. We miss Carl. You know, sometimes you guys been on break for a while, so it's good to hear you guys' voices. And you guys are out, you know, doing. I don't know what season you guys are on, but. Like, I don't agree with some of the stuff that you guys were. It was like a long tangent of just comments about Navajo this, Navajo that. And a lot of it, I don't even know what you guys were talking about. <laughs> but, but yeah, I don't know. You could edit this out. But but yeah, yeah. Well, thanks for inviting me. Um, you know, I am looking forward to talking about Navajo affairs, Navajo culture, you know, whatever it is. That we talk about Navajo relations between Navajo and Hopis. I think that's something that Suta and Carl wanted to talk to me about. Um, I think this is something. I wish we could talk on our pod. I am part of the your your auntie's favorite podcast. Oh, um, you're on a podcast, really, I, I, I didn't know that. Yes, for some of the listeners, um, I know some of you guys do listen to us. Um, we we do have a podcast, and we're going to hit 100,000 um, you know downloads here in a bit. We do have a good following. We are the number one uh, podcast here in the Southwest for any country. So if you guys haven't listened to us, uh, we I suggest don't listen to us. I don't promote my pod, but I'm just giving you guys a little bit of background who I am. Why, why didn't you tell me you're on a podcast, Hirsch? We could have promoted you. God knows you, you, you could have used the the help. No, we don't. We don't want to be promoted. <laughs> That's why we don't tell anybody. Yeah, Hirsch underground. We yeah, keep it that way. Hirsch, Hirsch is Hirsch and his uh, podcast. They're pretty good people. You know, they they have their own style of uh, podcasting. And uh, yes, sometimes it's toxic. Sometimes it's deep uh, deep thought. And uh, you, you know about this podcast? I know too? about this podcast. Yeah, Hirsch is my best friend. Tell me about this. Yeah, podcast. you're you're late. You're- I've never heard of this podcast before, but uh-huh. but Hirsch, uh, I'm glad that you're here because then you know I, I really I really did want. To give you a platform to talk about some of this stuff, as you mentioned before, that you don't have a chance to really talk about, I guess, culturally related stuff as it involves your culture. Because uh, I think some of the listeners know that you and I, we've known each other since our college days back at Arizona State University. And there you and I, we engaged in hours and hours of dialogue with other uh, folks that were in our program, just talking about a lot of cultural stuff and a lot of the stuff that we learned through AIS and how that applies 
back here on the reservation. And so I know you got a lot of good ideas. I know that you got a lot of good points. But as Carl and I were just talking about the the Western Navajo Fair, uh, can you tell us more about the the fairs and like how big that is for for Navajo? And I guess really, you know, it's probably a huge thing for the Navajo economy as well. Yeah, yeah. Thanks. Uh, I think you guys were talking about earlier, you guys talked about a little bit of background about the fairs and where it started from. So coming from an AIS perspective, it's always good to give a little bit of background, historical concepts behind, you know, what topics we're talking about. But I think for the fairs, if you go back in history, just a little bit that 1930s was actually when, you know, the the fairs were actually um, promoted by the Bureau of Indian Affairs. A lot of people don't understand that, you know, this was actually after the, uh, Navajo livestock reduction of 1930. Um, you know, when, when they went in there and basically took out, you know, at least one third or two thirds of our livestock on the Navajo Nation and the BIA, you know, the government, you know, they wanted to see how, how can they better have better relations with the Navajo Nation government or Navajo Nation people, the community, uh, after, you know, killing like half of their damn livestock. Like, let's, shit, let's what do we do now? Uh, so, you know, so, you know, uh, in in all fairness. Well, you know, did you know that? I didn't know that. What's I, that? I didn't know that that's how the fair started. I didn't know that from, either. From, I, from the federal I, government. I just always and, thought that, you know, they were copycats of the Arizona State Fair. <laughs> you know, I always thought that. But, you know, the thing that uh, Herschel mentioned, the livestock reduction, that Hopi was also a part of that uh, as well. Yeah, that a lot yeah. of Hopi, a lot of their livestock, their sheep, a lot of the different cattle that they had was also taken away as well. And, you know, I really... But we weren't given any fairs. We weren't given any yeah. fairs. Nobody gave us a fair. Nobody gave us a fair for that. What the hell? I know. We should talk to the government about this. Thing. <laughs> we want a fair. <laughs> we want a fair, you know? <laughs> oh, the history. Okay, yeah. So the livestock reduction of 1930, basically, that's where the spark of... You know, the Navajo Nation Affairs was actually promoted and, and actually established um, by the Bureau of Indian Affairs, actually promoted that to the Navajo Nation Tribal Council and to our people. Uh, I think the first one that they had was in Windrock in the 19, I want to say 1936, don't quote me on that, 1940. They actually had the first Navajo Nation Fair there. And it wasn't until the 1940s, um, the Navajo Nation Council actually adopted the, the essence of a Navajo Nation Fair where, you know, basically it's just an opportunity for education and, you know, bring economic development or economic opportunities such as livestock, corn, you know, different harvesting, um, different things that they could come together from different parts of the regions. That, that's how I understand the, the original establishment of our fairs. And from there it just bloomed. And, you know, now we have like over, I think, like seven fairs throughout the Navajo Nation. I mentioned a, a, quite a few of them. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, you know that's basically the, so, the background of um, basically it's a it's an economic opportunity after the livestock reduction and something that came from the now from the I guess from the outsiders. I yeah. never really never really understood. I always thought it came from like our ceremonies, our harvesting and stuff like that. But I guess it's intertwined altogether if you really think about it. With the with the government taking away uh, the livelihood and then giving you churros and uh, cheap plushy toys, right? Basically giving us. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, get, I think Hirsch, Hirsch yeah. can, can you can you describe like how I guess for 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 folks Navajos I guess basically like how how excited do people get for the fairs? Yeah, like, like is is this like something that circled on the calendar and something that you look forward to all throughout the year? It depends. I think it depends for every family in every region part. Like whatever, like me, it's like 
for my family, we've always been um, into like you know food sales, you know developing food stands. So it was an it was an opportunity for us to make a, make a few bucks here and there to pay some of our bills. That's kind of like how our family looked at fairs. As you guys know, some of my family members they they sell kettle corn. You know, we we our family's been in the kettle corn business for almost twenty plus years, and we do quite you know quite well with that. So we always looked up, you know, looked forward to these fairs, and you can make a good good amount of money to be honest, like a couple of thousand dollars you would say at these fairs. Um, so for my family, we looked at it like that. We never, I never enjoyed the fairs like how other families enjoyed it, um, like going to the fair to the carnival. That was just never, you know, me growing up. I, it was a treat if I did go to the fairgrounds because I grew up poor. You know, I grew up in a, in a different way, and you know, the fairs, the, the parades was something cool. You know, getting candy and whatnot. But you know, I, I think from from every family, it's different on the nomination. I think everybody has a different idea. There's there's people who there who are there for like opportunities for making you know a couple bucks. Uh, you know, selling at booth, food vendors. There's other families that you know are well off and they enjoy the fair. Um, so it just depends in this political season as well. You know, you, you'll see like this past year, this year is what I understand from our fairs was, uh, from my family, they told me that the nomination fair was just, the parade was just basically a political parade. You'll have, you know, people from congressional leaders, um, state senators, um, even our tribal election leaders and our president and our vice president. That's basically who all took over to help when they were up. Um, parade, and you guys will probably see that there in Tula City as well. So it basically, it, it, it depends on what family you come from. I think we all have a different uh, ties to how we look at fairs. Um, so, for me, so, it's like I never got to enjoy the carnival. So, Hirsch, I, I take it that then you're not uh, camped out on the parade route like the night before trying to get your good parade spot? Nope. We're, we're more trying to camp out, trying to find a good vending spot. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, you, uh, uh, real, real quick, okay, real, real quick, Carl. Uh, and so, you know, the fair is such a huge, uh, social gathering as well that, you know, outside of just people wanting to go to, uh, ride rides or going to go see all of the official elected or trying to get elected officials in the parade, trying to promote their cause that, you know, a lot of the times that people are going there to look to hook up. I, I heard a really? very I heard a very disturbing uh, statistic in that in Tuba City, gotta try that when the fair rolls around, that the STD rates <laughs> go up, skyrocket, skyrocket, and that's what the fair brings into into town. Really, I never knew that. I Hirsch, never... you being a public health guy, is that something that you're aware of as well? No, I don't. I don't promote that kind of negativity <laughs> towards my fairs. <laughs> He's <laughs> like, don't come over no, here. Just like any, You're gonna itch. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I think it came from. I, I'm, I'm pretty sure that came from Lower Monkopi, from my understanding. Hey, 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 hey. <laughs> we keep it tradition down there. Yeah. Well, no, no, L- lambskin, lambskin. Yeah. They don't itch as much. <laughs> what? Okay, as a, as a public health um, advocate and profession, I guess I do need to speak on this. Yeah, syphilis is a. a Huge breakout right now in the, in the western part of the southern Alabama nation it includes Monkopi and Upper Monkopi and Low. Oh shit! Lower Monkopi, oh really? Them. God damn! Um, thank God I'm married. Yeah, you guys. It's just that. It's just that you guys don't. You guys don't uh, have enough data. You guys don't don't capture those numbers. But I'm pretty sure you guys. You know, you guys have high. high. Just based from people I know from you guys' village, I'm pretty sure. All right, Carl. Well, you better be Let's safe go. out there. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're the single man. Uh, hook up, hook up over there, and go itch. 
<laughs> so so her oh, no, no 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 Carl 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 yeah. don't yeah. don't don't be afraid of it syphilis is curable oh okay <laughs> all right about God, it. yeah. it's curable <laughs> no, you know there's, don't worry about it no, don't worry about it Carl no, nothing a, a shot of penicillin can't cure <laughs> God, man. okay yeah yeah all you right. just gotta I, catch it you just gotta catch it early and you'll be okay. <laughs> You know that's that's how uh, that's how kings uh, died back in the ancient Egypt times. <laughs> they didn't catch it in time. But 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 okay. Oh, ahead, but Carl, before then. before uh, you know, I got interrupted. I wanted to ask, which is your favorite fair of them all? Like, what's oh, that's a good question? Yeah, like what is the what is which one is your best fair? Like, is it is it Windrock or is it Tuba or is it? Because uh, I know you're not particularly <clears throat> fond of Tuba Hirsch, so but you better speak the truth. <laughs> No, if I'm gonna look at it from snagging point of view, which one has, w- has the better ladies, Hirsch? I think Winterrock does. To be honest, oh really? If I'm really gonna be honest. I think Winterrock has the best fair because it's the biggest one, and the fair, the, the parade's the biggest. Yeah, yeah. But then also, you got to you got to understand Shiprock Fair. So Shiprock's the number one. Like the original fairs. Did originate from like um, to, from Winterrock, like from the BIA coming together. But the original fair of two, from what I understand, Shiprock is the oldest fair, meaning they they've always had events and oh, okay. thermal activities and, and things that happen up in Shiprock. So I think they're like on their hundred, hundred and tenth anniversary. Oh, don't Ooh, quote me on that, but it's in that it's over a hundred years. Yeah, compared to Winterrock, so I would say Shiprock is probably yeah. Hundred and ten years of having I would say syphilis Shiprock. and itchiness. I don't know if we had syphilis back in the day. That's a good question. But no, I, I think Shiprock's probably the best one because I think it's we always looked up to the harvest season. If you guys know that you know, Shiprock is part of our you know, if you look at the the San Juan River, a lot yeah. of those uh yeah. you know, there's a lot of corn, there's a lot of harvest. Yeah, you got that huge ass pumpkin field out there. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Before nappy too. I mean, nappy is just something that we economically. Just, I don't care. I'm not a really huge supporter of nappy. I'm more, I'm more of a supporter of the local, local, the local uh, harvesters, and they need, yeah, they need to get their shit together. Sorry, but, <laughs> but no, that I think that's what Navos really looked forward to was the ship welfare because it's so, their, oh, their okay. Yeah. So I think yeah. I think it just kind of depends on like the region as well too, because like a lot of uh, Navajos uh, will look forward to the Tuba City Fair because alongside with it they have the Hopi Fair and there's more vendors and there's more like you know food to go around with and there's more like a more diversity. Like I was gonna say yeah, diversity. And so I think that in my opinion, yeah, like the Tuba City Fair is like one of the in my unbiased opinion. In my unbiased, opinion. which is very biased, <laughs> because then I don't have to drive anywhere. Wait, when wait. it comes to the tube affair. Yeah. It's pretty much it. Time out. Wait, Hopi has a fair? Are you guys calling Tuvi a fair now? Is that what Ca- Hopi Carl is? Carl is. He's lobbying for I'm, uh, I'm lobbying wheel. for a fair Ferris wheel. <laughs> to be at the Tuvi gatherings. Yeah. I want I want to have a fair. <laughs> but but Hirsch uh-huh. Hirsch before yeah. before we uh talk the whole episode about the fairs, I, I did want to bring you on to kind of have some meaningful conversations because you and I we ran into each other very recently and then we had a pretty good conversation kind of talking about some dynamics 
that as far as uh, these big ideas that are developed in the city and then when they're trying to be transferred over onto the reservation, that sometimes they're not welcomed so well. And when Carl and I did first start this podcast, that we had this huge two episode discussion about reservation culture, but that was coming specifically from a Hopi standpoint. And so the question that I wanted to ask you, Hirsch, and I know that, you know, you kind of mentioned it, that you grew up poor. What's the reservation culture like for Navajos? Oh, man. It, it like I mentioned, it's very we're very complex. We're very unique. I want to say what what did Carl say? I don't know what you said. Kind of weird. I don't know. You call it something, but we're very complex and unique. Is why I was kind of yeah. Look yeah. at our culture because you know we have we have traditionalists all the way to the middle, all the way to people who are progressive that are very more. I guess more into like city folks, kind of uh, like like my my pod friends. <laughs> that, I, that I have, like Delmar Nathan. Good examples, yeah. They're they're very very immersed, very immersed into the Western ways of thinking, the their ideas, and thinking of how you could bring that home. And I think just kind of kind of answering your question. I think when 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 outsiders like like we get educated, right? We come back home, we come back to the nomination or to your reservations or to your tribe, thinking that we're going to implement these ideas or you know develop these kind of a you know, projects or things that we we could do to help our communities. But I think when we come when we come to these communities that we, we don't understand that there's a lack of resources and education even to like start developing or start to even implement these ideas into our communities. Um a basic example is like we don't even have basic infrastructure um uh, development for running water, electricity or even access to food. You know, so how are we gonna um, accommodate these kind of modern ways of thinking when when we don't understand our own communities because we've been so far away from home. I think that's what I experienced coming back home. Like I had all these ideas and, and, and thinking that I'm going to make a, a huge impact. And I think I, I came to a conclusion through the eight years living back, you know, from from you know the city or being educated that you got to pick and you got to pick where you're going to. I guess concentrate and mine's is just in the health field, like mine's tobacco control, prevention, education, that area, and really looking at cultural uh, preservation. You know, that's that's my interest. Economic development, all this other stuff. It's like I don't. That's not my area. So I'll leave that up to other people. <clears throat> but I think it's just understanding the infrastructure and the system that you're going to be working with, and, and really realizing if, it, if it's ideal, if it's realistic, if, if we're going to be able to develop those ideas into our communities. But I think it's just a lack of understanding of what, what it is that we're trying to do. Like internet, like internet access right now is something huge. And a lot of our people say, oh, we need this. But then like, do we even have the infrastructure to develop those those kind of uh, internet access for our people? I don't know if that answers your question. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it, it it does kind of answer that question, and I know that you're um you know you're the, the traditional man, right? You're a traditional Navajo man, um who believes in the like the medicine man, like the Yebiche dances, the healing ceremonies, and stuff like that. And you wear a uh, you wear bolo ties at uh, council meetings, you know. Bolo ties. You, you wear a little <laughs> thing of uh, tetadine around your neck and uh, sprinkle some. Uh, Safeway pathways in front of you as you walk. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess so. And, and then I also keep my arrowhead close to me, especially when I go near Hopi's. So when I'm over <laughs> here at Tubi, I, I have I have four big old um, 
for arrowheads in my pocket. <laughs> and and Hirsch, Hirsch, can you speak to that a little bit more as far as the diversity on Navajo? Because you know when Harl and I we talk a whole lot about the different types of population out here on Hopi, but for the most part, a lot of us, for the most part, kind of believe in this Hopi way of life that you are starting to see a little bit bigger population of Christian Hopis that are starting to develop. But yeah. I know, you know, growing up in Tuba, that uh, Navajos are, are much different. And you mentioned that, you know, there's this kind of uh, A through Z classification of different types of Navajos. But can you speak to that a little bit more? Man, I don't know where to start without even, without even hurting people's feelings. Start, um, start. <laughs> <laughs> I I think that uh, you know with Na- with Navajos and Hopis we've always been hurting each other's feelings. So. <laughs> well, because you got yeah. you got LDS Navajos, you got Christian Navajos, you got uh, powwow Navajos, you got uh, what, what what was that um, the powwow the, the Native Highland. American Church Navajos. I never knew that. Hmm. Yeah, it hurts. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like you meant. I mean, there's just a very diverse. I mean, we're we're just so diverse, and I don't think that as a, as a flaw. I think that is something unique, and it could strengthen who we are as a, as a Navajo people. And comparing us to like other tribes, maybe they say, "Oh, like like Hopi, you guys are very very traditional, and you guys don't really immerse into like Western ideals of understanding." But I think from our understanding of like just the, our history and our experience and, and, and what we look at. You know the 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 knowledge of us understanding Western uh, the Laganas, Bahanas, that ideological uh, that knowledge is very powerful. It could help us uh, um, support and, and and I guess it could it could be bad and good in a sense. And from from my understanding, from growing up and also going to school at Tanet College, like the way I was taught was that you know that Western. I think I said this on your last pod that that Western knowledge is something to use to protect your people and, and in your culture and your, your identity. That's the essence of what you're protecting, uh, you know, such as like land or resources or just your language or, you know, stuff that, that you need to protect yourself from the outside, you know, infringement on your people. Um, and you guys talked about the Treaty of 1868. I would encourage you, Sue, to, to tell your kids that the only reason why we have a, a Treaty of 1868 and you guys don't have one is because we fought the Mexicans, we fought the Spanish, and we, we, we and then we took on the United States. But what you forgot to mention is that we never uh, <clears throat> we never signed that Guadalupe Treaty. So it's a difference that like we, we were still fighting for our land and fighting for our people, where you guys already gave in. Hopi's already gave in and said, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna accept the Mexicans, and we have a treaty with them." That's why the United States respected that treaty with you guys, and you guys were basically their allies. The the well, Navajos probably weren't in the area yet, Herschel, when this Guadalupe, <laughs> Guadalupe Treaty was probably signed. So that that's probably why why you guys never signed that treaty. <laughs> well, no, we were there. We were there when a public revolt when your when your people came in. When, when Spanish came, we took all your elders and your spiritual leaders on the ground and we protected them. Remember that. <laughs> but, so I okay. hope you don't edit that part. Out. We can that, we can have a better conversation on that. That I know a lot of stories on that. So, okay. Okay. So uh, going back to like the traditional part of it, like, you know, you, cause we, we as Hopis have like, uh, you know, like the, the church goers and stuff like that. And they don't really follow in with like their, the traditional, um, Hopi manner thing. And we're kind of, we kind of get like, uh, oh, 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 like, oh, oh, oh they do Carl. They, they pray to Jesus Sunday morning and then they go home the those Sunday <laughs> afternoon. So that, but that, that's another, episode. and that's another episode. So, but like, you know, like with us, we kind of see that as like, um, like, um, 
you gave up on your culture and you're you're going towards another culture. Do you see that kind of in the Navajo tradition as well too? Like, you know, why not follow the 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 traditional Navajo the, the culture. changing woman way. Yeah, like the you know, like the whole structure like that. Mm-hmm. Rather than going like to the church way and then integrating that as well too. Do you do you kind of get upset with that as well? Or do you just kind of just like say, oh yeah, that's just part of Navajo culture now? Yeah. I no, that's that's a really good question because I think um, you know, from like coming out of AIS, coming out of it, being educated, coming back home, you know, you have that that kind of um you're strong-minded on your opinion, but when you get into the communities, you see that we're, we're very diverse. We're very, like you can't just tell it from a traditional point of view, try to tell a Christian person how to live. But I think from my experience, it's like, it's a, it's a process. And I think it's, it's bringing that like decolon. If you're going to use decolonization and then reclaiming who we are, and, and, and I think it's a process to educate this generation because, you know, we, we have a generation like, trauma are people who are stuck in that kind of a tradition or Christian mindset. And it's not their fault. You know, it's not, it's not, it's not their parents' fault. Maybe it's a, it's really, I guess, I guess it's, it's a process. It's educating our, our, our kids at a young, a young, at a young age and educating our, maybe our education system or the navigation could take control of that. And really educating us because I think it's going to be a process of generation to get away from, uh, like I don't know where I'm going. It's like the colonization process. Like it's a process. Again, I keep saying process because I think from us as AIS, we don't understand that process yet because we're still trying to develop that and seeing what's the best evidence based you know scenario for us to reclaim who we are and our identity. And I think it's just educating this generation that you know because I, I have friends that are really hardcore Christians and LDS and they're just so stuck in it because that's that's their parents that taught them they they really stuck that and brained them brainwashed them basically is what I see but it's not their fault so I don't know how better way to do it is just get the next generation when they have kids making sure that their kids have the opportunity to understand the history understand you know what happened and understanding that they have a choice to either they're going to choose traditional or they're going to choose Christianity. But I think it's also educating this Christianity group too, as well as like what they've done historically is brainwashed our kids where they felt they, they literally told our kids that, Hey, these ceremonies are bad or evil. Don't, don't participate in it. And there's some, even some denominations that, you know, tell our kids not even to, not even to wear the jewelries, you know, oh, the wow. same turquoise is evil, you know, silver is evil. Like that, that kind of a teaching mm. that it's really, it's really being taught in these, uh, like I, I have experience going to a Christian school because I, I used to go to Bible school here in Winslow and, and, and on an alienation just because I used to try to get cookies and snacks, you know, that's kind of how they get these little kids, I think. But the Bible school, I remember I remember exactly exactly what the Bible uh, teacher was telling me. She was literally telling my... Oh, uh, looks like we lost Hirsch again. So, uh, Hirsch, if you can hear this, um, <laughs> we, we lost you. But, you know, it, there, there was a, good, a question that I was going to ask him with the Navajos being so diverse. Like, yeah, so many different Navajos that believe in different things. Yeah. Like, does that create classism 
within your community? Because then, you know, I was thinking about it. Is there a classism here on Hopi? I feel like not really, because then like, yeah, I like, feel like we're all poor. <laughs> like, like, like there's, there's no such there's thing no, there's as no like such a rich like Hopi. You know what I mean? Like there's no, there's no Scottsdale of Hopi. Like there's no neighborhoods that you think of, oh, that's where the rich Hopis yeah, live. Like yeah. there, there's, there's, we don't have that. Yeah. And the closest thing is probably like the new buildings that the IHS built for their employees and that's, down uh, in First Mesa. We can kind of and that's like that. a that's kind of like a two two three year old yeah. building and you so you know that, that that was kind of an interesting so thing. UPS can to, finally to find about. their houses. And I I guess really because where where I was trying to get to with that, hopefully Hirsch gets back to to us because then you know he'd be the one to ask this question. Is that at least from growing up with the Navos, what I've seen, what yeah. I've seen is that you do have a group of Navajos that act real queevy, like like real queevy, like all the way from how they dress. They have to wear like real nice clothes. They do their best to have really nice vehicles. And then they kind of look down upon their own people. Yeah. Like uh, th- there's this this term and I've heard that it's kind of a, a derogatory term, but this word Johns. Johns. There, there's yep. this uh, as classification of Navajos that are called Johns. And I guess basically what Johns are is that, you know, the real heavy accent. They, right. they yeah. have the real, real heavy Navajo accent and, you know, they talk in a certain way. And then also too, I guess they kind of live life a certain way too. And I guess really in, in, from an external perspective and hopefully Hirsch gets back and he can tell us a little bit more about this, but at least as far as this classification of Johns, to me, I feel like that they kind of live a little bit more with the land, I guess, in a way, like maybe still uh, have Hogans around and still like herd sheep, things like that. Like, you know, kind of doing the more cultural, yeah, yeah, bus, bus, bus Navajo stuff. You know, that I, I think I see that as more like the Navajo culture, like the Navajo tradition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like the, all the other Navajos, like, you know, the LDS, the the Powell Highway Navajo, you know, all those yeah. other, Nav- yeah. you know, those aren't the, the traditional Hopi, I mean, Hopi, traditional <laughs> Navajos. Those are like, you know, like a subculture of that. Like, you know, like, um, like how you, how, how you have like a subculture or like sub music, like sub genres yeah. of music. Like, yeah, hip hop. Yeah. And but then, then you know, there's R&B, yeah, R and R and B, yeah, and and I think I think that's how I kind of see Navajo culture in a way because because of the way that they kind of portray themselves, you know, like like a lot of the Navajos, they don't really go to like these traditional like Nebiche um, dances or mm-hmm. medicine men, you mm-hmm. know, they they rather uh, go to Western culture type of de- deals like that, and they, they'd rather go to the Nelly concert, yeah, they Nebiche, <laughs> yeah, exactly, and they, you know, they'd rather go to the dr- drag queen show than to the. Uh, <laughs> Exactly. And, you know, I, I see that. I see that in a way where it's, it's like, um, it's like they, they gave up their traditions, you know, like their, their actual traditions. And I, you know, it, when Hirsch gets back, you know, I want to ask him, is, is Navajo tradition dead? Like the real traditional part of it dead? You know, it, it, it's, it kind of, it's kind of appalled to me, like, you know, that, we as Hopis, like, you know, we have our structure, we have our traditions, we have our culture and we've, we have a set uh, calendar that we follow through. Like, even though that we're not initiated into a lot of these, um, like, you know, traditional stuff that's on the Hopi reservation, um, we still have this notion that this is still deep to us. Like, you know, this is still um, like, you know, very traditional to us. And we honor that. We honor that whole thing like that. And so I want to ask uh, Hirsch whenever he gets back is that, you know, is, is that 
that sort of traditional part, that sort of traditional side dead? You know, mm-hmm. is, is that mm-hmm. gone or is that, you know, because is of- it, Is it trying to be revived? Yeah, is it trying to be revived? I is know- Is it thriving somewhere? Yeah. You know, a lot of, because then you, I think a part of what you're talking about is the language as well. Yeah. And, you know, even though, you know, we, we have our, our issues with the Navajos that, you know, when I do go places, like you go into a bashes, you hear two Navajos speaking Navajo to each other. Like I enjoy hearing it. Yeah. I I enjoy hearing that their language is still being spoken by, you know, quite a bit of folks. So I guess the question would be, are, uh, are the younger ones learning it? And if they're not, then what's the reason? I imagine that. A lot of it has to do with a lot of the, some of the same reasons as to why Hopis don't learn it. But yeah, I, I think basically what Hirsch was talking about as far as how diverse that their group is, that it tends to a lot of those external influences tend to be the reason why the culture is not continuing. As he mentioned before, that you have folks that are LDS or you have folks that are uh, a part of the Christian church. And like you go to Tuba, like if you drive through Tuba, like you find there's a Jehovah's Witness section of Christianity out there. There's the Church of Latter-day Saints section yeah, of yeah. Christianity out there that there's just so much different versions of Christian churches that exist just in Tuba. Yeah, just in Tuba, And so exactly. you can imagine what it's like throughout other parts of Navajo and, you know, like you kind of mentioned to it, you know, is, is that, is that, or Hirsch is the one that mentioned that, is that really a bad thing or is just that just a part of Navajo culture now? So, uh, Hirsch, are, are you back online? Yeah, I'm back on. I don't know where, where and, I got and so, cut so, off. So, Hirsch, was this was, this was the question that I had before you got cut off, uh, because you talked about the diversity of Navajo because Navajo is so diverse. Then does that develop this classism within Navajo? Because then I just mentioned that, you know, growing up amongst Navajos that I've noticed that there are some Navajos that are real in Hopi. We say Quivi, that means, uh, like prissy or like, um, bougie, bougie. bougie. Yeah. And, and I tend to notice that those Navajos tend to look down upon the, 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 and I, I kind of said that I've heard that this is a derogatory term, but like the Johns, the, the, the Navajo Johns. Can you talk a little bit more about that, Hirsch? And then maybe a two-parter uh, question too, is that um, along the sidelines of that as well too, is that we see that the culture in, in Navajo that they're like, you know, like, again, like we were saying, like there was such a diverse culture and such a complex culture. Um, being as like a traditional Navajo man, I, I don't see that as like um, in, in all of like Navajo, Navajo sense. So is like the traditional part of Navajo uh, dying or is it dead or is it like, you know, like, you know, like, you know, living in Hogans or like tending to their sheep, like, you know, going to medicine men and, and all of that, you know, all, all of those thing, things that make up like the Navajo culture. It, do you see that as being um, like a dead culture now or is it a dying culture? Well, why didn't you let him fin- answer my well, it's question? A two, it's a two part. It's a two part question. You asked him your question. It's, it's a two part. He question. probably completely forgot what my question was. You said John's. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. Another both kind of complex questions, but I, I, I guess I could be the token Navajo and just speak on it, I guess. Yeah. You're speaking for all Navajos, so, Hirsch. Oh, okay. <laughs> what I meant, I said, I said um, good afternoon, my relatives and my my friends and my people. I'll just kidding. me. But no, I think, I, I don't know where I was. Did I answer the last question? I don't know where I'm at because I was going off on a huge 
story that I was sh- sharing about Christianity and my experience with Christianity. I don't know if that got and, recorded and or if you guys got to listen to that. The, the, the question, Hirsch, was, uh, is there develop a classism within Navajo culture because first of part. the diversity? Yeah, the first part. So, yeah, to, to, I guess to answer your question, the classification of Navajo, I think, I mean, is, is it a threat to our culture? Is it a, a threat to our tradition? I think when he talking about from a culture point of view, I think culture is always going to change and adapt to us, you know, moving forward in the history. I mean, in the future, you know, culture always does adapt, but I think tradition doesn't. And I think that's the difference between the way we understand, you know, our tradition and our, and our concepts of like our songs, our prayers, our ceremonies. And to us, that's tradition. Uh, and I think the same concepts with Hopi, like you don't change tradition and I think one of the good story, I mean, good concepts that like his example that we're, we talked about in our pod, it was like, do we change how we look at marriage between a man and a woman? You know, that's a, that's a unique relation, uh, example in a sense of what we, what we're going through that we don't change that tradition between a man and a woman. That's, that's been given to us through, through us, you know, through, through our holy people, through our creators and, you know, there, there's there's essence and stories and meaning behind that. Where now this new contemporary culture, these new ideas are coming to our people that they want to entertain the idea that man and man could be married, or woman and woman could be married. You know, so that has never been part of our tradition, and that's something that we will never change. And I think from our culture, but other other people may try to adapt it. But I don't think our holy people will recognize it. And that's just kind of how I look at it. So, so those so traditions will never change, but culture eventually will adapt. I mean, so, so, so you won't be attending the drag show then, Hirsch. <laughs> I was just going to say something about that too. <laughs> it depends if it's like, if it's like all women drag. <laughs> <laughs> all women drag. I, I don't think you have the full concept of what drag means. <laughs> we'll be in drag, so. Uh, well, I mean, I don't. No. Okay, okay. So, second, second part to the question before you know we run out of time here is that um, do you think the traditional part of Navajo is dead or is or is it, it's dying? Like you know, the medicine men, the the hogans, the sheep, the you know, the living by the changing woman ways, the yabiches, yabiches. You know, what like is. all of those, all of those things. Do you think that it's a dying culture like that, or do you the, think the string that, game? Yeah, or do you think that it's 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 a dead culture? The shoe game. To answer your question, no, I, I don't. I don't think so because there's there. Like I said, there's there's a huge there's a huge. Like it's very diverse, but if you really to really dissect it, I think there's our our traditions, our ceremonies are still being going on to this day. Like our yebiches, our dot, all these types of ceremonies are still living and still being practiced and still being taught in our communities. But there's also these, I guess, our modern ways of looking at what's influencing us is still is there too as well. But if you go into our communities, I think the essence of our traditional people are still there. I mean. Thinking about the, the the decline of traditional practitioners, I could see that definitely, um, but I, I don't think it's dying. I think we have a lot of traditional people, and like I mentioned in the last pod, I think we have over four hundred thousand people, and I'm I'm estimating at least one hundred fifty thousand of our Navajo people are traditionalists in some sense and do practice and do understand it. So, in the teachings, the language is strong too as well. And I think it's just revitalizing those and, and being able to continue those teachings. Um, but I, I, I don't think it's going to die. I think there's, there's a 
it's a it's a different I guess it's it's a different generation that we're gonna go through this phase of course, but I think the long term maybe my great grandkids will be able to speak fluently again in Navajo. That's from my family, but there's other families that still speak through Navajo language fluently and still participate in ceremonies. I mean, there's some really traditional ones that, you know, that are really traditional as well. Compared to me, I, I would consider myself in the middle. I do go to ceremonies, but I also participate in Western ways of living and, 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 and enjoy both worlds in some sense. But I think it's just, we're in a time frame, and in a, we're, what I'm hoping and praying that someday that we'll, we'll be back, you know, prior to European contact when Europeans and white people go to Mars or some shit. I don't know where they're going to go. <laughs> that our people will be able to read that after we re- reach re- these teachings and be, be indigenous to the land and indigenous to our culture and indigenous to our ceremonies and our traditions. And I think those ceremonies and our language is what's going to keep us connected to staying here on, on mother earth instead of going out into space. That's kind of how I look at it. I don't know if it's too wide out there thinking about it, but <clears throat> I don't know. Do you guys believe in aliens? <laughs> we believe in, uh, yeah, yeah, we, yeah, yeah. I, I believe. Yeah, in we believe in that. The Marvel yeah. stuff, Guardians of the Galaxy, <laughs> scrolls, and uh, all Marvel that stuff. <laughs> but yeah, you know, we're running out of time here, and I, I'm this, pretty this sure is that probably this is, should be a two. Yeah, this episode. is a, a huge two-parter episode because a I'm pretty sure that into. a lot of Navajos are wanting to hear um, a lot more about their their side and hopefully, nice. yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, again, thank you for joining us uh, on this nice, since, lovely since day. Since it sounds here. like the podcast that you're a part of, Hirsch isn't very cultured. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I wish I, I wish we could do a different recording where, like, like I could get these questions ahead of time and prep for them because you guys probably prep for your speaking. Oh I, no, I, don't know. We, like, I, didn't, I, I didn't even know we were talking about this thing till like yeah, this morning. He, he actually got more heads up than uh, you got more heads up than he did. Yeah. I actually just got this like at during like at like what? Um, like 10 o'clock right. this morning. Seconds before he pressed record. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just gave well, me the, I mean, I didn't, I didn't, I just, I just looked at it, but I didn't, I didn't get to really read the questions until we got on the pod. To be honest, when you guys were doing the introduction, that's when I started reading it. Oh, okay. So, I mean, well, you know, well, I, did, I I don't. I mean, I could end. Yeah. yeah, like I would like to talk a little bit more about, like, um, like I would like to talk a little bit more about now the now relationship. Like, how can we build on modern ways of looking at us going forward, despite the land dispute issue? Yeah, that happened? yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That? For yeah, for really sure. Cool ideas and yeah, cool, for cool sure. On that. Well, we'll have well, to bring you back, yeah, Hirsch, and yeah. hopefully we'll get a better connection because we lost you um, a couple, couple of times. times. Yeah. But uh, is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners before we yeah. get out for this episode? Yeah, I mean, well, first of all, thank, thank you, Carl. Thank you, um, Susu, for inviting me. And I, I just want you guys to enjoy the the Navajo Fair. It's not it's not a it's not Hopi <laughs> Fair, Carl. And, and tell you guys establish a, an actual Hopi from your Hopi. Council, or from your from your lower Mokope or upper Mokope Council, or your Kiva, recognizing that you guys have a affair, then maybe I, I would consider that. But enjoy it. I mean, I mean, I really do enjoy going to movie. I think you guys, you know, having you guys side to as well does bring that better. I guess a better fair to Tuba City Fair. Yeah, yeah, really exactly. About it, like it'd be really nice to have Shiprock unite, unite, unite with the youth. But we're not in good relations with the youth. 
or uh, we, we're actually enemies of the youth. But I think we have a better relationship with Hopi. Are, are you guys so enjoy, friends with enjoy, any enjoy, tribe, <laughs> Hirsch? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All right. Well, Hirsch, thank you again for joining us, uh, you know, for Carl and J-Man and talking about your side here. And we really enjoyed it. We really enjoyed making fun of you and you making fun of us as well. Well, well you so. know, I'm pretty sure that the upper village is pretty close to bringing in a Ferris wheel when they have their butterfly dance. Yeah, yeah, they, maybe. They have a whole section... Kind of like how the Santa Domingos do their feast. So, all right. Well, thank you, Hirsch. Again, thank you for uh, joining us. Uh, so, if you guys are have listened to this, I mean, it's been an hour long, and I know you guys are excited <laughs> to uh, turn off that radio there, so that you can get to the fair, <laughs> so you can get to the fair and whatnot. If you guys want to donate something, uh, go to anchor.fm slash CJ Podcast eighty five to become a monthly donor. I mean, it, it gives you all of the perspectives that help us out you know buy uh, merchandise and to actually pay for some of our help here you know because a lot of this uh, podcasting stuff is uh you know pretty expensive and i never knew that i i, I thought it was just a microphone and you just hit play or record so and if you're not following us on our social medias you can find us at carl and jayman on facebook twitter instagram and tiktok and don't forget too that we're very close to doing another giveaway through our instagram so if you're not subscribed to us on that platform please subscribe to us there if you're listening to this on apple podcast don't forget to give us that five star review that really helps us move up the charts and uh, i guess we'll see you next week all right while you are listening to carl and jayman save the world podcast my name is carl and this is my best Friend Jimmy. And don't forget Carl will be dressed in drag so long. Why? <laughs> I want to be named uh... <laughs>